Good day to you all. Welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined as I usually am with my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you today, Dad? Doing great, Todd. Happy the- Tuesday. We're recording on a Tuesday today. You were yeah. uh, had a busy day planned yesterday, so we backed up the recording. So um, anyway, in our pre-show, we were kind of just talking about family, and then you rolled right into talking about uh, something that you found interesting. Want to share that? Well, I used to work in the uh, aerospace industry and uh, know something about flight controls for airplanes. Mm-hmm. And so back in uh, the days when I was still working, which was, gee, oh, I forgot how long ago it was, but uh, I guess I retired in somewhere around, hmm. Huh. Just yeah. before, well, just, just before 2000, so it's been 20-some years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the... We had Delta Wing airplanes out uh, for the military, but you know now 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 I saw an mm-hmm. article where they're thinking about doing that for airliners, mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, there are a lot of good comments uh, on there by engineers like myself from the past. That basically uh, the guy did a tremendous job of just uh, well, I'm talking about a YouTube. Uh, uh, video titled "The Plane That Will Change Travel Forever." Mm-hmm. So they're getting real serious now about uh, uh, the issue of having a, a delta wing, kind of like right. the well, and lifting uh, body design so that the yeah. body is is uh, it's not just a delta wing because there was like you know delta winged airplanes yeah. going back into the '60s, but um, but the sort of body forms into the wing type of yeah. thing. Um, a la, um, I think the first plane that most people, at least if you were aware of military planes, that kind of did that was the F, well, the, probably the SR-71, but I was going to say the F-16 is the one that I, I remember that mm-hmm. had the body that just kind of, you know, there wasn't a, an edge between the body of the plane and the wing. They were sort of molded into each other. Yeah. So anyway, being a guidance and control guy, I, you know, I had a specific viewpoint for this, mm-hmm. but this article covers a whole bunch of other considerations that I was... I'd never even thought about, and so I found the, uh, the video real enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, thirty-five minutes long or something like that. Yeah. But it was a it was a good re- reminder of my past and and uh, and why it's good, uh, probably going to happen for the future, largely right. because of uh, reduction in uh, use use of uh, fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will so, reduce the cost of flight tremendously. Reduce, reduce drag by by creating more lifting surface. Uh, well, yeah, you see when the tail was sticking up in the air, it, uh, contributed a lot to the overall drag of the airplane because it's another front facing surface, you know, right. as well, that's as, well a, as that's the, a different thing than, than just the Delta design. You're talking about the, the tail and here they're doing what, um, some of our fighters well, have done, which is instead of having, um, uh, a tail sticking up and then, um, uh, you know, a horizontal surface as well in the back. They have something that's sort of canted at a 45 degrees that does both. Well, to introduce this, I have to first of all say I was giving comparisons to the uh, traditional tube and wing design. Right. Whereas, whereas this no longer has just a tube, but the but the container of the wing is now thicker, but it's still a large flying wing. And so, from an aerodynamic standpoint. Uh, you've also you've reduced the drag considerably be, just by getting rid of the t- the tail uh, wings as well as the uh, because the tail wings actually had to counter the offset between the center of gravity and the center of lift on the airplane and so they were always actually pushing keeping the tail down they were they had a down force back there in order mm-hmm. to keep the airplane straight and level and so you were countering. Uh, something, but it it had the benefit of it is that uh, it had a, uh, a a natural stability overall. Uh, I don't know how to describe this, but uh, w- if the flight controls, you know, weren't there, and the Air Force mm-hmm. uh, and the military brought about you know uh, uh, a system where you had uh, a lot more control. Uh, essential control you know the plane would crash if anything happened to your control system in fact it tells some stories about some real disasters where one 
uh, a couple early commercial planes were designed uh, with, with, you know, the natural uh, flight of of the uh, mechanical part of the airplane was highly unstable. So it totally depended on the control surfaces or or on the automated control system. And uh, and, uh, one sensor failed and it caused the automatic system to kick in and then it just intentionally crashed the plane <laughs> because it had a wrong input, you know. And that's the problem with uh, with automated flight controls where you've got a computer in the loop and all of that, whereas earliest control systems for the, the, the tube and wing design had a certain amount of mechanical stability built in that you didn't have with these uh, wing surface airplanes. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Uh, uh, anyway, they they talk they discuss all of that and, and flight safety issues and uh, how the different configuration uh, allows uh, exit from a plane in case of a crash landing or something because instead of multiple exit surfaces, so you can be plane and and M plane much faster than you can on the tube design, which has fewer entrances and exits, uh, and and. Uh, and how this kind of new new uh, design will uh, actually come up to the uh, uh, at the airport and, and open up all those exits so that you can get you know in and out quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, see a faster yeah, a egress whole- in an emergency. There's um, wider area of of seating and space inside um, because it's 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 inherently a wider space. There's there's a lot of advantages there, but. Um, but- Anyway, I, I I put it in here for you just or anybody that's just interested in how airplanes really fly, what the issues are. It's a very instructive uh, 30 minutes uh, mm-hmm. of, to go back and go over the history of all of this as well as the errors that were made as they tried to develop a uh, new uh, landform or mm-hmm. how, the, how the plane was constructed and, uh, and what they did did to solve the problems, right? including some manufacturing processes and lots of other things. So sure. it's, it's a really good video, educational video. XP-70. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so anyway. Big, I, big uh, Delta Wing aircraft that, uh, that uh, exceeded the capabilities of engineering at the time. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it, is, it does make the case that as uh, time moves on, that's the way planes will be built in the future. There's mm-hmm. just... Too many advantages uh, from a uh, capability, uh, fuel, uh, you know, environmental issues, and and everything. It's it's uh, it's moving on, uh, it and it's 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 taken a long time, which it has to in order to be sure it's it's safe, and that's you know, and and you discover a lot of issues that become safety problems. By not building a lot of them, first of all, the military is kind of the test bed for that. And occasionally you lose a pilot or something, but that's the way things get developed. you got to go out and try them. So anyway, I I think that's enough for that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm more excited about the one that you posted here regarding nuclear fusion. Uh, Finally confirmed breakthrough. They've achieved ignition with nuclear fusion. Right. Yeah. It was. And and so when that when it comes to uh, nuclear energy, that's the preferred way. You know, fission is the way current nuclear reactors and things are built because uh, it uh, they've worked out ways of controlling it. It was difficult to get the fusion to actually ignite and be controllable right for those but, who, uh, who aren't aren't familiar uh all of our our nuclear power right now comes from fission and fission is splitting an atom fusion is causing two atoms and and fission is usually done with very big large heavy atoms you break them mm-hmm. apart you break the nucleus apart and voila lots of power the flip side of that is fusion which is actually how the sun works and that is taking what are generally very light atoms and putting them under enough pressure and pressing them together to call them, cause them to fuse into another um, material, uh, then also uh, providing power. And fusion, uh, fission has lots of, of leftover um, radioactive material. Fusion does not. The, 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 
the end result of fusion is usually uh, hydrogen and water. And yeah. so it's a very clean process. Um, but the problem is it's really, really hard to do. It's hard to control fusion. And up to this point, they've never actually had a fusion reaction going anywhere that didn't use more energy than it produced because it's it's very hard to do. And by by actually achieving what they call ignition, they they fused two hydrogen atoms together and more power was released in that process than it took to cause them to fuse for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was for fractions of a second. So it wasn't yeah. for a long period. They didn't sustain it, but major step forward in actually achieving it. Yeah. Now the business is getting sustainability so that right. then you can get the energy out and uh, make it more useful. Yeah. And this so. has been um, – it's not just somebody claiming it. It's actually been um, studied and um, and peer-reviewed, triple peer-reviewed, in fact, and, and they have agreed that, that they did achieve ignition. And they actually did it last year, but it's taken that time since last year for all the peer reviews and everybody to, to go back over all of the – evidence from the experiment to verify that this really did happen. And so, um, so yeah, it's not, it's not like some Yahoo saying, yes, we did it. And everybody going, oh, okay. No, they really <laughs> did it. And that's what, you know, these days you got to be careful because the internet's full of like, yeah, we did it. And, and there's, you know, there's no peer review. There's no actual proof, um, you know, and quite frankly, these days, video evidence isn't really evidence, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, and so you've got to be, you know, you've got to trust that, that reasonable people have reviewed this and that, and that, you know, when you get enough reasonable people reviewing it and saying, yeah, that's what happened, then you kind of go, okay, well, that's probably what happened. Well, and, so. and, and then set, uh, get others to do the same thing, you mm-hmm. know, and, and to move on from where we are today. So it's, it's all a little nano steps at a time. You it know, is. That, add up to be something significant. Now, I don't remember if it was in this particular paper or whether it was another one about this because I read it. I I did a little further digging. And uh, from what I understand is, yes, this is peer-reviewed. Everybody agrees that's what happened. But they have now tried several times to do it again and have been unsuccessful. So so Uh, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. And so and and you may not know what is the variable that was different that caused it to happen. And so, you know, that's part of the learning process, right, is what variables are involved. So we know what happened so that we can repeat it. So, yep. Well, that's what science is all is all about is getting something that's repeatable. Yeah. Baby steps. Figure out what the variables are so you can control them in your experiment. and the worst embarrassment you can have is to announce that you've done something, right. and then and then a jillion people chime in after that and says, "Well, what based on what you told us, it can't be done." Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> not what happened. Whatever you saw is you misinterpreted it, right? And that's what happens yeah. a lot in this in this particular arena. Um, yeah. So it's it's very cool that uh, that you know experts in the field all looked at it and went, "Huh, you did it. You're right." That's what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, who knows? There may be something going on that, you know, in the rotation of the planet that they're not aware of that affected why it worked this time and one didn't work. And, you know, who knows? I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm making that up, but, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah. you just don't know what the variables are. And so well, it, it's kind of like battery technology right now. You know, there's a jillion and one different ways that right. are being experimented on to try to knock the, uh, uh, lithium batteries off the the throne and and take over for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the present time, the the go to battery, at least in in most cases, uh, whether you're talking about big energy for e- uh, electronic vehicles or even the small portable devices, yeah. just about your, all of them use lithium in one one way or another. Yeah, now they're different. Your watch you know, the, or your phone or whatever, but they're lithium ion based technology the 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 basic science is the same yeah but um well and that lead that's a perfect segue into the next thing because i also excuse me shared a an article um of some research that toyota is doing and they are saying that they will have a solid state battery which is a different design um that also has the advantage of charging very quickly compared to current battery technology and they think that that'll be on the road by 2025. Now, I wonder, 
this this was written in July of 2020, which was still early days of COVID. Given you know all of that stuff, I would imagine that you know if they expect to have it on the road in a vehicle on 2025, that maybe that's been backed up a little bit just because of production issues that have been happening worldwide. But um, but uh, well, everybody yeah. recognizes that there's issues uh, with uh, uh, liquids. Uh, and so going solid, uh, they gain, they, they actually lo- usually lose weight in the batteries. Batteries are extremely heavy now. And so they're, you know, the large part, biggest portion of, uh, EVs in terms of weight. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, so that's something that you'd like to, if you can get rid of a, a little bit at all, you can make the car a whole lot more efficient, uh, if it wasn't quite so heavy and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, and I'm assuming all, if you all the other battery characteristics can be maintained, but of course they can't <laughs> Yeah, because the, the, uh, and, and that, that, uh, therein lies the problem. Uh, it's a matter of what is really required and how do you balance the various characteristics? And by that, I'm talking about battery life, how long it lasts, uh, how long uh, or how much energy does it actually store, uh, and how quickly it can be recharged or re, uh, rejuvenated, whatever the, the storage mechanism is. Uh, and so all of these come into play. Uh, of course, uh, the, the amount of charge is, is a key thing for most customers. They want to know that they can go so many miles in the car uh, without worrying about the battery running out of juice because right. there's no good way to transport electrical char- recharge systems right now. Although I noticed, the, the, and I think it will be very popular, is that there are Ford pickups out there being marketed as the ability to go and, and recharge uh, stalled EVs that are along the road. Yeah, so well, they've that got, will become a service, you know. They, they've got uh, Ford pickups right now that are gas-driven that uh, have a generator built into them, and you can use that to power things. And so you could stop and use that as a charger for somebody. It would probably be fairly slow because of the amount of current it generates. But Well, uh, that's not what people want to see because you're, sure. you're going back to gas engines to charge and get convert well, to I understand, electricity. Well, I understand that. that, you know, and, and certainly the guy in his, in his you know, $130,000 Tesla is not going to appreciate the, the, the dude the, in the his $80,000 pickup showing up and saying, I'll give you a, a, a charge. Yeah, the, the, but, the Ford that I were talking about are the electric trucks. No, that, I, under, that, I understand that, uh, that. But what I'm saying is that the, 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 the capability of, of giving a boost to an electric vehicle pre-exists them having another electric vehicle. Of course, you know yeah. that already is out there and available. Um, in fact, Ford famously, when uh, Texas lost all its power in the grid a while back, asked their dealerships that if you had any of the trucks that had generators on the lot, go loan them out to your local hospital, school, or anybody else who, you know, in an emergency situation needed power. And Ford would reimburse the dealers, which they did, which was kind of cool. I don't mm-hmm. know how much it actually helped, but you know, it's it's cool <laughs> to say you, you know when you, when you've got a bunch of vehicles sitting there with generators attached. To you know, twenty and thirty gallon gas tanks, so they can go for a long period of time generating. You go, hey, go help people. So yep. um, I found an updated yep. article that was put out um, on uh, January of this year, and it's, it confirms that Toyota says that a production car with solid state battery will be on sale by 2025. They apparently have filed some patents worldwide in different locations. Uh, that substantially advances the solid-state battery technology and that this battery will charge much faster. But, interestingly enough, they're not going to put it into a pure electric vehicle, at least initially. Initially, it's going to be in a hybrid. They're going to put it in a hybrid because it will charge quicker, last longer, and apparently take up less space than lithium-ion batteries. So, Well, and... and- that's why I still see hybrids as a better choice if I were spending my money today. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, the, you know, the, all these arguments about, oh, gas prices are high. Well, so are, so are electric prices, and they're on, their, on the move mm-hmm. up, too, you know, because there won't be enough uh, uh, electric uh, uh, electricity available. Uh, but by the time enough people, more cars people buy, yeah. there'll be a dearth of energy. And so the prices are, you know, you can't sell it based on 
com- that comparison with right. uh, gas cars. Well, Toyota's basic reasoning is is that the electric vehicles are not really feasible for most people in terms of cost benefit right now, and that they feel that uh, you know if you add solid state batteries, which are even a newer technology, that's going to push the price up even more. And so in order to make a vehicle that is as uh, clean as possible and, you know, is kind of the best of both worlds, that that's why they're they're doubling down on the hybrids for the, for the time being. They're also one of the leaders in, um, in uh, hydrogen-based vehicles as a storage, you know, energy storage means. Right. And so, um, you know, they seem to be taking a little bit different tack than, than a lot of the manufacturers well, I, are. They're not going all in on electric. Well, I really like that. Uh, I mm-hmm. like Toyota's management doing that, mm-hmm. and that's because it's going to be a while. I'd say probably 10 to 20 years we're going to be in a period of of uh, going through what's the best technology and, and not just vers- hydrogen versus EV uh, and or what type of a, a battery in the EV uh, because there's, there's just uh, – they're all young science. It takes a while to get them out of the lab and then into production and all this. And so there's too many considerations to have any real notion as to who's going to be the winner. And mm-hmm. and uh, you you want to be able to be flexible, you know, stay on the edge so that you can make make changes as need be and really know each uh, system very well. So they have some of their uh, scientists working on different projects that can actually report directly to them so they get their straight skinny because other, you know, they're not going to get it from their competitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know? can't, well, you can't make, you know, science decisions based on popular news articles. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. So, you know, yeah. any any real company of, of, of interest out there has got people doing their own research to find out what does and doesn't work. Or they're partnering. I know um, right. uh, Subaru has partnered with Toyota for some of this stuff. My only thing with some of the hybrids is is that you know and 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 I know they make the decision based on on lots of variables, but it's the balance between electric and gas in a hybrid, and you know the most most hybrids go on the battery is twenty to thirty miles on the battery and mm-hmm. and or some of them do it like well, we'll do battery up to twenty miles an hour, but over twenty miles an hour, then we switch to gas, and it's like. You know, I would like to see, you know, it, some of the, like the, uh, the was it, I think Hyundai has a uh, a hybrid that can go about 25 or 30 miles on electric. And it's like, well, but that, that gets me to work. It doesn't get me home. And I don't necessarily have a place to charge there. It would be nice if it would get me to and from work on electric and use the battery or use the gas as a backup for longer distance driving. And so yeah. the, the battery piece of it, I would like it to maybe, you know, double. I'd like to see that at about 100 because, because... With degradation and stuff, you know, after a few years, that battery is going to get you maybe 75 or 80. I still want to be able to get to and from work without having to use the gas if I can, you know. But then if I decide to go cross-country or go, you know, up the coast in California to visit family, you know, I, then I understand, yeah, we got to switch to gas to get there. Well, this this all depends on your use case. And if, mm-hmm. if you can be, uh, I, I'd say, almost middle-class Americans, most of them have two cars these days, mm-hmm. but they also have two workers, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you can, let's say both you and your wife li- live too far away and you can do the uh, round trip easily with an electric car, and both of you go together in the electric car, and that's your normal your day-to-day, you know, get-the-job-done thing. But then whenever you want to go visit family, which live, you know, that's a whole different scenario. Maybe you keep your old gas car for that. And yeah. And run it when you do things that don't make any sense with electric, you know, because it can't go far enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, or or you do what I I've, I've done, and in and in, in I've actually done this because we have cars that are just standard gas cars, but I tend to drive cars until they don't drive anymore, so they're very old at some point, and I don't necessarily trust them for a several hundred mile trip, and so I drive my cars to and from work every day and keep them in good running order. But when I decide to take a long trip, I just say, okay, one of the costs is spend a few hundred bucks to rent a car, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I do, you know. And so if we had electric cars, that would probably just, that would just become a more common thing is like, you know, okay, I, unless, you know, unless I know it's going to be a very leisurely trip and, uh, and I can stop and just hang out whenever I need to wait and charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, 
you know, a, a lot of my trips are going to see somebody. It's they're not they're not necessarily, you know, just kind of seeing the country as I go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, in, and in California, the that <laughs> Central Valley. If you've seen it once, you've pretty much seen it. There's not, you know, it's like okay, I don't, yeah. I, I don't need to stop and, and smell the roses. Um, there, there's a lot. Or the poppies. Yet, there's a lot yet for the consumer to learn about before they go to an electric vehicle, and yeah. and a few people have learned the hard way, and that is one of the things that's absolutely critical is you absolutely have to have uh, it within any, every electric vehicle. A uh, actual counting of charge and recharge uh, re, and re uh, recharge yeah. cycles. How right. many cycles have it gone through? And in addition to an odometer as to how far it's gone, yeah. you know. I think every electric car has that built into it, just like an odometer. I think every you know it may not be predominant, but in their in their their uh, system management, there's a screen where it shows you you know how many and, cycles and. and, and 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 best of all, uh, a, a manufacturer calculated number that nobody can alter in any way for sales purposes. Uh, that is a countdown to how much life this battery still has in it. Yeah, how, how many words, cycles has it had, and how many, you know, what is the expected lifespan? Sort of like on the um, on the uh, iPhone now, you have the ability to go in and look at what the uh, current battery health is right you need some sort of a health number right yeah so but remember this too you know zero is not the bottom in uh, if you look at on, on iphones apple uh says you know recommends replacing batteries if it's if you get down to like 80 percent of of ability to hold a charge yeah like my ipad <laughs> yeah is your ipad I'm, there now uh, well it's getting close you know, in fact, I think my computer has already exceeded it. They want me to bring it in and and be serviced, and they're going to they're going to recommend I have a new battery put in it. Mm-hmm. And I and if that's the case, I don't want my computer anymore because I'm not going to spend that money. Yeah, you know. So, uh, you know, it's 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 basically facing all all of us have to face this battery life issue with every product that we have that. You know, there's electronic that we charge and recharge all the time. Every time you plug it in, you know, your life is just sure. Yeah, it's on. It's on the clock, right? It uh, <laughs> only charges and recharges so many times before it just can't do that anymore, or it does it less efficiently. I was just looking on my iPhone, and it says right now my maximum capacity when it says it's charged 100 percent is 87 mm-hmm. percent of what it was when it was new. Yeah. Now I have an iPhone 11 Pro, so it's it's three almost four years old yeah so now mo- mo- most of us don't trade these things in we kind of keep them until they just absolutely aren't going to work anymore and then you throw it away and say start over you know it's it's a pretty major expense so even at that you know you go buy an, a, a new ipad pro like i have and you're talking over a thousand dollars yeah know, so it's not well i think i deal. still think ipads and, and and laptops are handled a little differently though in terms of like you said, I, I'm not sure everybody trades those in. I think a lot of people trade in their phones, and a lot of people also still do deals with either the manufacturer or with their carrier to subsidize the cost of the phone so that it's it's you know they don't pay full price or they pay it over time. It's spread out, so yeah. you know um, you know people still choose well, to do that. Ultimately, I think all these things ought to come under some kind of lease deal. You know. You just pay that lease, and they mm-hmm. keep you up to date as the new one comes out. You yeah. know, every well, so Apple's many tried years. to do that. I know. Didn't you say you had signed up for that at one point in time? No, I, I didn't. Th- I thought you had signed up for that one point in time, but I guess you've got a, an iPhone 10, so yours is two years older than mine. So that that would answer that question right there, right? <laughs> Obviously, you have not you have not traded up. So no, I, I, I we talked about it because we read some articles about mm-hmm. it. You know, right and. And and I think it, uh, it, you know, it's just a matter of, do you want to trust the company to take care of it, or you're willing to, uh, or, or do you really have to be up to date all the time? My attitude toward my phone has shifted a lot over the years. I, you know, when I was younger, I wanted the latest and greatest all the time, but it got to a point where I, I can't see that any of the uh, advances are significant to me hardly anymore, you know? Uh you know, when I get a new one, I sure appreciate all the the new stuff that comes along with it. But it it just may not have been something that 
that drove me to spend the money at any earlier point mm-hmm. in time, you know? So that that's the that's the decision we all have to come to as to what how do you use something. Right. See I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm much I'm absolutely much more interested in my iPad and how long it lasts than I am my phone or my computer. And my computer's at the bottom of the barrel. You know, I mean that's Right. I, I yeah, say, you well, spend more time using your iPad throughout the day than any of your other devices, and so it's become the more important piece for you. Right. Yeah, and I would say it's probably my second most important piece. I still use my phone primarily, but I'm still, you know, semi-employed and working and communicating with uh, a bunch of people on a high school swim team. And let me tell you, all those kids and most of the parents now too, that's how they communicate is via text. Yeah, it's you know that's that's how we communicate with each other, and so you know it's it's easier to do it there. I I mean I can do it on my iPad and I do some, but it's just that's you know it's. That's what's there. You know, I I thought about it uh, because I still use my navigation off my phone, Mm -hmm. but I could use my iPad. The only problem is is that I don't have a good place to mount it in the car. Well, that's because you get a giant iPad, too. You've got the largest, you know, almost 13-inch iPad that you're right. That's really hard to mount to the dash of a vehicle. But but I've thought about it. Somebody's probably figured it out. There's no way to plug it in and use it. Do the yeah. same thing. Yeah, know? no, I've seen I've seen companies that do make sort of like a sort of heavy duty gooseneck type mount that you can then snap your pad in and, and have it tilted towards you. You can see it while you're driving. Um, although to be honest, if you plug it in and do do CarPlay with it, you've already got a screen. You don't you, you don't even need to see it. You just need to have some place to tuck it away. That's right. You know, yeah. stick it in the glove box and run a cable to it. Yep. Um, although I don't know how the GPS would work in a glove box. But. Well, it, it, it still needs a phone with it, so uh, you can have that if you bought it that way. You know, My iPad doesn't have that phone connection right now. Oh, I don't think it does. It does. I got it from it, you. It, it, yeah, it has it. I, I don't buy an iPad without it, but it's so oh. it's got it. You just maybe haven't paid to turn it on. That's right. I haven't. You know. So but. maybe I should try that now. Uh, yeah. Pay, I, pay I use my iPad and... enough out on swim decks. That it just I didn't want to have to always link it to my phone and then, and then kill two batteries. Um, it was just you know have its own connection when I needed it, and so uh, that's the I, I say I don't have iPads that way. I actually do have one iPad. I have a basic uh, iPad that is uh, my wife's because she doesn't use it that way at all. Uh, in fact, the only time she uses an iPad is when she's traveling. When she's traveling, she wants to. She uses it as her her um, nightstand clock, and so I've yeah. got an app that turns it into a, a nice nightstand. And then she also uses it to watch movies, and so it has some movies on it. Uh-huh. Um, and it's the one of the newer ones, so it has the uh, center stage. So when we do FaceTime with our kids, uh, it keeps us both sort of our faces on camera, which is nice. You know, I think I, I think I might try to do that and and see. You know, I, all it costs me is a hookup for the to the phone system, and then go yeah. take this and see if it works for navigation while I'm in the car. Yeah, my vendor charges me ten bucks for that. So, well, you know, it's it's got GPS on the on the or GPS, so it should be able to give you your location and mapping. The thing is, is it won't download new maps while you're out and about if you don't uh, have that. You know, if you don't have the cell connection, but you yeah. could you could attach it to your phone and then use your phone as the cell connection to test. Well, it. I'm I'm talking about replacing my phone with a dumb phone. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go back to, you know. Right, but what I'm saying is you could do the test without even activating the cell cellular on the iPad by just attaching it to your phone and seeing how it works. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. You're right. And then if it works, then you can say, okay, I'll activate cell on my iPad, and then you go, you know, buy a, uh, you know, candy bar phone or a flip phone or whatever kind of phone is out there that's cheap that works for you. Because yeah. let's face it, basically that's what you use it for, and you do all your messaging through iMessage, which you do on your iPad anyway, because that's where you can read it more easily. Right, right. Oh, you're right. I could I could do the test without any cost. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is, yeah, link it up to the phone. Yeah. Although what I would say is, um, you know, the well, no, it should still work with SMS there. Yeah. So you should be able to do it on your iPad. I think no, re- there's no reason not to do it. Yeah. So. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have to give that a try then. Yeah. Well, you might look at a new iPad too. I mean, that one is, I don't know. I think I had it for two years. Now you've had it for two or three years. So it's it's probably, 
Yeah, the 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 battery does need. I, I go. Yeah. I recharge it about twice a day. Right now, I wonder though if you look. I, I haven't checked to see like, well, what would a battery replacement cost? Because if you replace the battery in that, what is a new one going to do for you? That one that that re- I would uh, I would bet you that, replacing the battery in that is going to cost you less than buying a new one. I guess is all I'm saying. Oh, why, why don't you go ahead and talk a minute? I've got to talk to your mom. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hold on. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's where it's at. He was talking about investments in Apple, too. Oh. Um, the uh, Berkshire Hathaway um, guys. Yeah, I, I'll just have to cut this out because I can't. you guys are talking over me. Yeah. Okay, well, just write down. Well, you'll have the record of how much you write the check for. Yeah, well, he's going to give me the contract and I have to sign it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, in about... 15 minutes or something, I may have to uh, yeah, no, get that's off fine. and sign a contract, Yep, but uh, that's about yeah. all. Yeah, and we'll just have to go back and cut that part out because I tried talking and you guys were talking just as loud as I was talking, so I, I it was mayhem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, earlier you had said something about, you know, it depends on what your investment is, and that reminded me, too. I just read an article. Uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Just mm-hmm. bought a three hundred billion dollar no not three hundred billion um three hundred million more shares of uh of apple oh, now forty two percent of Berkshire Hathaway's investments are in apple right now forty two percent huh yeah he's, that's not much diversification no he's got a <laughs> lot of it in apple apparently they just um they increased their investments in apple and uh chevron they sold the last of their verizon stock and they decreased their holdings in general motors and that oh, just, that's a, that, that was a smart move general motors going down the tubes so they just <laughs> they just uh they just did that so, well, I don't know. I've heard that there's some things, you know, all General Motors seems to be a little bit slower out of the gate, but I've read some things saying that, you know, as the switch well, she, to electric she, goes, that, that General Motors has actually got some, some stuff in their hip pocket, and we're going to see some pretty interesting uh, electric things coming out of General Motors before long. Well, I, I, oh. I've seen their articles and stuff, uh, but Mary Barra is just about like uh, Joe Biden, I think. <laughs> Not quite as bad, but anyway... <laughs> don't don't want to get into politics, but that's yeah. that's just about the way it way it goes. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. You know, it's funny you're talking about CEOs. There's the uh, guy who took over for Warner, which now owns uh, Discovery and HBO, and boy, are they shaking things up. They uh, just laid off a bunch of people at HBO. They've said that HBO and Discovery Plus are going to merge into a single uh, uh, streaming name brand uh by next summer i've, um, I've misunderstood uh hdl hbo oh hbo hbo home box oh, okay. office you know home box office okay now i know what you're talking about right they own with- discovery plus which includes like hgtv which mom watches mm-hmm. uh and hbo and they're gonna they've laid off a bunch of people they're gonna be merging uh, uh, HBO and and Discovery into a single online entity. So they don't know whether what what it'll be called. It might be Discovery. It might be HBO. It might be something new. You know, mm-hmm. Wonder Show. But um, but I, I just there are big shakeups going on at the corporate level over there in terms of of how they want to brand and market themselves. Uh, and the new the new uh, sheriff in town that's running everything has basically gone through and undone everything that his predecessors had just recently done. It's saying you guys are completely wrong. Now we're going to do it my way. So uh-huh. yeah. it'd be interesting to see how that goes because there's been a lot of shakeout in the streaming world. You know, Disney just came out and said that they've got uh, what 200 million uh, subscribers, Disney Disney Plus, which puts them a smidge behind. Um, Netflix, who's still the leader, and I say a smidge, I mean, they're quite a ways behind still, but Netflix is sort of in panic mode where they're now uh, raising rates and cracking down on sharing passwords and creating a new version of their their, uh, subscription that's less expensive but includes commercials to offset the costs. And uh, so they seem to be throwing spaghetti at the wall to try to uh, increase revenue. You know, they, they, they may chase some old customers away. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've already said to my family, I don't care to keep Netflix. They keep getting more. They're, they're literally the most expensive streaming service we have right now, and I don't care. 
Uh, I don't really watch that much there. But then my uh, my family said, no, 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 that's we watch everything there. And I'm like, oh, no. I've had this I've had this battle before, you know. It's like I pay for as part of a package Apple Music, right? So I just said everybody use Apple Music. I it's already paid for. We had Spotify for years. And yeah. absolute histronics about no, we can't get rid of Spotify because, you know, and it's it's 15 bucks a month because <laughs> we use Spotify. And it's like, well, change. It's no big deal. They've got the same music here. All my playlists are here. Everything is here. This is how I use it. Oh, man. So then uh, pay for it yourself. You all got good jobs now. <laughs> <laughs> There's the answer. Get to the bottom line. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, that that's the way you know when you when you're not paying for something, your value system is totally different. It is. It is. You know, that's why. Yeah, uh, it's an entitlement don't, because don't, they've don't had it there. Don't tell me about your product if you're not going to tell me the cost. You know. You I, know. Yeah, but they've you know <laughs> they've had it their entire life because dad was paying for it. It's like. Yeah. When dad doesn't want to pay anymore, it's like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? That's always just been there. How could you take that away? Uh, <laughs> Cost money, man. It's change. It's com- competition. You got to yeah. go with the flow, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I understand, too. You know, Spotify, I mean, their their thing that they've been trying to do to keep things sticky is they've been uh, buying exclusive access to some podcasts. And so if you listen to podcasts... You know, then and so they're providing exclusive content that you can't get anywhere else. And if you that's what you want to listen to, that's where you have to go, you know, and that's the thing Mm -hmm. where I think Netflix is in a dangerous position because they're not they don't produce what it is that they sell. You know, they I mean, they produce some on they've started producing some of their own online content. They've had to. Um, But traditionally, they, you know, put other people's movies and other people's TV shows and things on there. And those other people are now doing their own streaming and not, you know, as licensing deals expire, it's no longer on Netflix. It's now over on, you know, NBC streaming, which is called Peacock or or Paramount, which is CBS or, you know, Hulu, yeah. which is ABC. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that there's there's a lot of uh, change and movement going on in the entertainment industry because uh I I don't know anything about what's going on in the theaters. I haven't been to a movie theater probably in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know, maybe longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, but it seemed to me that it sort of lost its appeal as soon as uh, large screen TVs and and a lot of homes now are built with a theater built in, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so people, a lot of people at least, not def- definitely not most of the population that'll take a while maybe maybe 10% of the people that that aren't even in the in the market for going to it well to and a i think covid accelerated that a lot of people said you know we can't go out i won't go out so i want to watch what's at home and in fact a lot of the movie theaters or a lot of the the movie studios have started um you know, it was a Disney even tried day and date releases where, you know, it was available at home at the same time. And those who wanted to go spend money to see that the theater could, but you could watch it on television. That seemed to be a bust. But, um, yeah. but you know, it's, it's used to be, it would be in the theater and then a year or so later it would show up on TV. Now it's, you know, a month and a half, two months, you know? Yeah. Yeah. COVID made changes in lots of businesses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The restaurant business too. I mean, it's it's you know we've been out of COVID here, at least worrying about it for some time. Now I guess that's not true in New York and a few other places, but uh, nevertheless, I still uh, order uh, stuff to pick out at curbside. You know. Yeah, yeah. We, we lots don't... and lots of restaurants that weren't um, uh, didn't compete with with you know fast foods are now competing with fast foods because they now right. have a a pickup window, uh, uh, so to speak, if not literally yeah. a window. A, a place in the restaurant where where either you can go in and pick up your food to go or you can have a service that's going to deliver it to you, pick it up and bring it to you. Yeah. And, and that's very common in sit-down restaurants now. Um, and, you yeah. know, an example I could give is for we, we always have uh, fish for lunch on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And we used to, went to, to go to McDonald's and your mother kept saying, Gosh, this just isn't very good fish. So it's, then we, yeah. you know, then co- the most then, flavorless, nondescript piece of white it, fish that's been breaded right, and buried right. in sauce. So COVID <laughs> came along, and we were able to then go up to uh, Metro uh, Diner, which is uh, 
a New York kind of a restaurant. Uh, and boy, do they have mm-hmm. good fish sandwiches, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, a basic diner. So we, that, that we, actually, we started going up yeah. there, and we got really used to that. And then we got tired of saying, oh, it's just fish. We're just, I mean, just, uh, you know, white fish or whatever. Right. So then we said, well, we need some more alternatives. Well, then there's this place that has this uh, shrimp. Bang, bang, bang shrimp, they call it. It's got a little hot sauce with it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've ever had bang, bang. I but have. I've actually been to the restaurant you're talking about, or at least one of yeah. them. Yeah, well, any, anyway, we got two places where we can go get bang, bang shrimp, you know, yeah. and on a takeout basis. And so, shoot, now now we're totally fulfilled, at least for that one day a week, which we kind of got in the habit of doing, you know, on right. a regular basis. Yeah. And so now there's other things like, you know, here's, here's our breakfast restaurants or <laughs> here's where we can get a carryout. Uh, mm-hmm. Lunch, you know, that's uh, so we we sort of brand restaurants by by the dishes that we buy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I I've long done that too. It's like you know, when I go to my favorite restaurants, I don't need a menu. I know what I, I went there for. That's why I went there. You know, was to in, get in that fact, meal. Yeah, this this Friday, your your sister and her family are going back up to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to visit some old friends up there and stuff and yeah and so I I whipped out my iPad where you know I I think I sent to you my map thing where I collect a list is lists of places that we've visited or restaurants that we've been to or where RV parks we've gone to I have several sure. categories of stuff in the map system so I whipped it out. I grabbed the restaurants list and went down it, and I says, "Aha, Deshays! Remember Deshays? Yeah." Haley says, "Yeah, I gotta go there." Yeah, because <laughs> we had a lot of memories from that restaurant. It mm-hmm. Sat beside this lake with a fountain on it and great food, and I don't know, it was just a lot yeah. of things. Well, that, you that and she there. lived there for a while. I used to work for Scripps Howard. That was uh, their newspapers that was based there in Cincinnati, and so I got to go back to the corporate headquarters a couple times and. And so that's where I was first introduced to uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Chili. Chili, right? You know, it's Skyline, yeah. and uh, and then um, and I never remember the name of it, but it's a very famous barbecue place that's like right down on the river. Uh, and when you come in, they've got pictures up of all the famous people who have come in there to have their barbecue. Um, yeah. And so I remember that being really good too. And they they actually will box it up and send it. In fact, I specifically remember. There was a an episode of the television show Mash that talked about that place that was so good, and they actually in the show were trying to con- get a way to get it sent to them, and they actually got a whole bunch of barbecue sent to them in Korea, and the whole camp then got barbecue <laughs> from this restaurant that's, yeah. that's been in in Cincinnati for years. And so when I finally got to go there for dinner one time, it was like, oh, yeah. And my recollection was, yeah, it was good. It was probably one of my top ten re- uh, barbecue places, but it's not number one. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. So it's good to have memories of places like that that you've been to. Yeah. And then, then when you go back, you know, this is the first place I'm going to go to, you know, for, for oh, eat. Yeah. If, and if you're visiting, you're dependent on restaurants sort of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, or the, if there's places that you go to regularly, you know, my uh, uh, wife's brother's family every year goes up to Tahoe for a week, and they stay in the same cabin. They rent that same cabin for the same, like, it's like the, you know, third week in July every year. And so yeah. uh, they go up there and stay. And when they go up there and stay, part of their ritual is we go here for a meal. We go here. For, you know, there's three or four places that they just go to for a meal while they're there just yep. because, you know, that's it, there's there's a – Sensory memory that they that they're fulfilling, um, and we've now a couple times gone up and and you know we don't stay for the whole week but we've gone up for like uh, you know a weekend and, and a day or two, and uh, and spent some time with them and so now we've gone to a couple of the places too and so so you know it's like well if you're gonna go to Tahoe here's where you go to eat you go to this place or you go to this place you know yeah so. well, well what what I think is really cool about that maps uh, destination thing that you can is having been on the road full-time RVing for 11 years that, you know, there's places all over the country that we've been to and it's just absolute joy to every once in a while sit down and uh, put this stuff up on the TV and then go through it. And along with a lot of these places, uh, they'll have the pictures or photographs so that you can not, not only the name of the place, you can actually look at pictures that other people have taken and uh, they get those from Yelp, uh, which is the uh, online service for travel, you know. Uh, yeah. You can find locations. And people contribute contribute pictures to their websites for 
various businesses. And so I find it absolutely wonderful just to take me back to memories of places that we've been in the past and we'll bring it up and I can pop it up on TV and we can start looking at those pictures and then get really excited about, oh, wow, this was fun. Remember this? <laughs> well, so, uh, you know, some of them are just explain uh, uh, people going to mm -hmm. uh, various uh, or hiking out to waterfalls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't do that anymore. But some of them that we've been to, you know, aren't too far away. I mean, we, we were young bucks when we did this travel. Right. Well, and but if there's a good path. Yeah. You know, uh, quality and, of uh, access has a lot to do with whether or not you're going to do things these days. Or exploring caves, too. I, I really enjoyed that. I've been to quite a few of them. Uh-huh. And, and so it's just it's fun to go back to those places. And, and uh, you know, in, in my memory, it... I recall it brings everything back, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any, anyway, speaking of Yelp, you know, I mean, talking about technology companies, I've been somebody who's not a fan of social media in general, but in a sense, Yelp is a social media company, and that's a company I like a lot. I have used Yelp ratings to make decisions about where to eat, and if it's highly rated in Yelp, I've almost never had a bad experience at a restaurant. You know, it's basically like crowdsourced reviews of businesses. So it's not just restaurants. You know, right. it's also for like plumbers and, you know, electricians and, you know, other people that you might service. Other 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 uh, retail businesses get Yelp yep. ratings. But um, but for restaurants, you know, if you're in an area where you've never been before uh, and you need to get a meal, check Yelp and see what's got a good rating. You know, if you get something that's got a four-star rating or above, you, you know, odds are, especially if there's, you know, if you've had three people review a restaurant because it opened last Saturday, well, then that's one thing. But, but if, you know, if you, if you have... You got thousands of ratings. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were out um, back in 2015 when I was visiting. We, we decided to go to um, uh, visit national uh, monuments at Cowpens and Kings Mountain, right? And yeah. in between the two, we wanted some place to go eat. And so uh, my brother Tobin pulled out Yelp and said, hey, here's a place. It's a little cafe. It's got four stars. And it's, and it's called Carolina Corners. Right. And it, exactly. And it's it's literally sort of in the corner of South Carolina, North Carolina. It's just on the North Carolina side of the border by about 100 feet. Um, yep. And, you know, it was, a it was a weekend. Um, I, think, I think it might have even been a Sunday afternoon. And yeah. uh, and it was but, right between the two places, and it was perfectly located. We had a great meal. Yeah, well, and the good thing is, is we didn't get there right during the rush hour. We yeah. kind of had the we got the there just service. a little before it. Yeah, <laughs> we had great service, wonderful yeah. food, and just good memories. It was just a great. It really place. was. Now I remember, like the regulars who showed up for their meal probably after church on Sunday. You know, if they went to a later service or something, was looked standing in the doorway, looking down at us, and we were a big group. We had two cars full of people. You know, we'd push tables together, <laughs> and they were sort of giving a stink eye, like. Hurry up and get hey. out of here, man. We want to eat our food. <laughs> you know? But it was good. And, you know, they did not have a lot on the menu. And I think that between our group, I think we had at least one of everything on the menu. So it was – I don't think anybody walked out of there going, nope, that was not – I didn't have a good meal. I think everybody had a good meal. Yeah. Yep. And and we and we and just up the road a piece from there is the uh, the Peach Tower. Yeah. In, uh, the Peachoid. Yeah, the Peachoid. Yep. That – that's kind of a famous landmark uh, from – you can see it from the freeway. Yeah. No, I've got a picture of my nephew Alex and I with the peachoid sort of as a halo around our heads. Um, yeah. Anyway, we did get – we got off the freeway and parked over there so we could take some pictures and mm -hmm. enjoy it. Yep. That was fun. That was a fun day. That, it was a really good trip along with the battlefield visits and stuff yeah. that we did there, a little history and – yeah, no, that was yep. and and I got to say too, both both Cowpens was much more flat than Kings Mountain, obviously, because you know, place where you keep <laughs> pens where you keep cows are going to be flatter than a mountain. Uh, <laughs> but both of them had, you know, it was um, uh, paved walkways as you went through it, so it wasn't like you were doing rough hiking or anything. It was comfortable walking, uh, you know, and and even if you were to go back well, these days, I don't know about Kings Mountain, but Cowpens, you'd be able to get along on your cart just fine. Now, now I forgot. Were those the war of 1812 or were those revolutionary? Revolutionary war. And in fact, uh, Kings Mountain was the first um, success of uh, successful win for the um, 
for the United States or what was to become the United States and cowpens or and, and forgive me, I may be getting these backwards. And I think cowpens was the first time that we beat regular army. So the initial battle was was not necessarily British regular army. It was volunteers because realized during the Revolutionary War, we always talk about the 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 rebels as the Americans fighting. Well, most of the people fighting on the other side were, quote, Americans, too, who viewed themselves as British, who felt like, you know, these revolutionaries were trying to overthrow the government. And so they were fighting yeah. against, you know, there were plenty of people fighting yeah. on both sides. You know, I, I, I always thought back on that name, Cowpens, and how that probably was nothing but a bunch of cowpens out there. Yeah, that's what it was. They said that. It wasn't a town or anything at the time, but the historian went out here and says, what am I going to call this? Yeah. Oh, cowpens. The of Battle course. of Cowpens, because that's literally <laughs> what it was. It was a big open um, uh, meadow-type area, um, and now that's all that's left there. But at the time, that's literally they had cowpens out there. That's where they kept the cows before they were then, you know, shipped off or slaughtered or so. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what it's. That's what the information's. Go back and look at your pictures of the signs. That's exactly why it's called cowpens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they weren't trying to get creative, um, but uh, you know they were both pretty too. You know, and and as I well, recall too, we even got a little drizzle that day, but it, it kind of started as we were leaving Kings Mountain, and by the time we were done with our meal and the heading on to cowpens, it had stopped, and it was just, I, you know, it's everything worked out great. Yeah, yeah, and it was December, so it was it was. Uh, a bit chilly, you know, it, or it could have been if we'd have gotten wet. But for the most part, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot um, of fun. So, anyway, they haven't called me out there. Yeah. If you happen to be in on. Southern Cali or su Southern, uh, what was it? I guess it'd be sort of North the South, Carolina. South uh, west end of North Carolina, right on the South Carolina border. Um, uh, 85 Highway. Yeah. Freeway. Yeah. The, um, and you need a meal. Uh, strongly recommend um, checking out Carolina Corner, corners, yeah. and yes. uh, and uh, and enjoy. You know, and it's it's not fancy food. It's 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 a cafe, but it's it's really good, really good. Yeah, yeah. it was family owned. It seemed yeah. like it was one yep. of those. I I guess there was a town there right adjacent to it, but I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, and it was a small town. There wasn't a whole, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was not a spot in the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it looked to me too, like as as you came from, because we came from South Carolina across the border to, to the restaurant, and then basically immediately went back down to South Carolina. Like I said, it's only a few hundred feet across the border into North Carolina that we crossed train tracks. So I think that was probably like a small train town or something that had cropped up at one time. There was, I'm sure it was. Because yeah. there was multiple tracks there. And so I suspect that was one place where they would like, you know, uh, hitch and shuffle cars as they move them from one place to another. And you take, you know, the track that heads north, the track that heads south, whatever. By the way, I was noticing uh, just yesterday that uh, a PBS station that we get here, we get about three or four on our on our cable system. Mm -hmm. And the the one we were watching... Uh, is broadcast from a town that's just across the border over in the western, northwestern corner of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So it couldn't have been very far from that thing. I, you know, yeah. I forgot the name of the little town, but <laughs> might first might time, be right down the street from uh, Carolina Corners. Yeah, huh? it, you know, it, I, I did. I never think about where these place, you know, yeah. have their towers and all that, but they just happened to pop up on the PBS station the other day, and I says, "Oh, that's down there where we were," you know. In yeah. that vicinity, anyhow. So, yeah, yeah, it's very possible. Always make, makes you wonder why they chose a location, you know, outside of any major city to to put the towers, but probably cost or something like that, or they wanted to. Well, uh, they never put it in the city, so it's always well, got to be usually high I, ground and, and somewhere outside the city where it's cheap. Yeah, and and I thought about it. And I said, well, it's right over at that point in, where they can cover a good chart part of North Georgia, Western. North Carolina, as well as a big bunch of South Carolina. Yeah. So that that's probably the, just the area of coverage that they wanted to include. So Yeah. You know, the other thing that. I remember about that trip is if you're going down there, fill up your tank in South Carolina because they have less state taxes. The gas was dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. It's always 10 cents a difference a yeah. gallon. And, you know? and, and all of that gas seemed cheap compared to what I pay in California, but... But yep. it was significantly cheaper to be on one side of that state line than it was on the other. Well, you know, there's people that uh, 
live in the south part of Charlotte, and that's a border town almost. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's a, a lot of people make the decision as to where their house will be located just based on, you know, being really close to the border or gas stations and stuff like that down there just because it's significantly different. Yeah. You know? it, it's sort of like, you know, the uh, when we lived in California, you go down to El Paso and there are certain people who went across into Mexico to do certain kinds of shopping, you know, because they could get a lot of things cheaper. Right. You know, so. Any, yeah, when, I, lived, when I went to school at San Diego State, we were required to buy, um, for an art class, I had to buy uh, like a 48 set of colored Barol pencils. And it was like $80 for this set of pencils at the art stores in San Diego. And you could go to any one of a number of them. But for $20, you could get the exact same set that were Barol lapises in Mexico. And so, um, and the ones that were lapises came uh, in a nice cardboard box that had like this velvet flocking on the front of it. You know, same yeah. brand, same pencil, just labeled in Spanish. And so, um, I on a weekend went down and bought like three or four boxes, and then came back and sold them to classmates. Covered my cost <laughs> of my trip and put a little money in my pocket, and uh, and saved a set for me. It was like you yeah. know. People were like, I don't want to drive to Mexico. It's scary down there. It's like, well, you know what? I'll risk it for 80 bucks and <laughs> an adventure. <laughs> it was an adventure. It was a fun weekend. But, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. First time going down there by myself as an adult, you know, you know, and and, and barely an adult. But, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, if uh, pe- people will go. And do what they think's the you know right way to do it. If they can save enough money, then it's they'll it, we'll drive down to South Carolina. We'll drive over to you know whatever. I mean, unfortunately, where I live to get cheap gas, I'd use it all coming back home. You know, <laughs> going to Las Vegas or Arizona. By the time I got there and got back, I'd have used all the gas that I got cheap. So well, well, the the other things that makes a difference at a border oftentimes is is hard liquor as well because the states tend to. To tax those, you know, depending on the mm-hmm. the people in the in that state. Yeah, uh, you make a big difference in what you can get and can't get just across the border. Sure, uh, or even where they'll ship it. Remember, uh, Grandpa Leo when he moved to Missouri couldn't get Coors because Coors wasn't sold in Missouri, and so he right. would he would load his pickup truck with a bunch of bunch of Coors beer in in uh, in Kansas <laughs> and then drive it over to Missouri and well, sell it. Well, he wasn't it. that far from the border anyway, so right? He could, you know. Yeah, but it was like, okay, you know, and and remember the Coors tried to crack down on people doing that and eventually they gave up and just started selling their beer everywhere. <laughs> but yeah. they didn't want to put preservatives in their beer. That was their thing, is they didn't want to put preservatives in it. So they ended up going right. with refrigerated trucks so they didn't have to put the preservatives in because they didn't want to mess with the flavor. You know, and I understand that. You don't want to sure. mess with your product. Yeah, you know, make yeah. a lesser product so that you can sell it other places because that's what most beers did is they just put preservatives in it so that you could ship yep. it without refrigerating it. But Coors, yep. But, and no matter what you say, it always affects the flavor somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there are a lot of people who go, "I don't see how you could make Coors taste worse." So, well, <laughs> or, or or there's other people that will just say, "Well, after the first can or the first two cans, who cares?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like they don't care. Well, and like I said, there's those beer snobs who will go, you know, <laughs> Coors tastes bad enough already. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, but, uh-huh. uh, you know, and I've never had it like, you know, from the brewery. You know, I know you guys visited Golden, Colorado, and you said it was oh, yeah. significantly I've... better fresh right there. But we we used to visit them fairly often when we lived there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, at least when somebody came to visit. I mean, it wasn't right next door, you know. We yeah. had to drive several miles. Yeah, but, but it's like, yeah, if your your uh, family comes out, why well, you say, hey, how, like how, a, how about go we drink some beer and yeah, socialize? Yeah, well, like in Southern California, you know, you go to Universal Studios, you go to Disneyland, you go to, you know. Right. I mean. <laughs> well, you know, so. when you guys were kids, we used to get tired of the people that would come out and they would, we we would like to think they were coming to see us, but we knew right. they were just wanting to use our house yeah <laughs> here's a, a place point. to stay while we can, while we go see all these these fun touristy things yeah yeah 
Yeah, we had a drawer that had leftover because this is back when they had tickets for each different kinds of rides at Disneyland. We had a drawer of leftover Disney tickets. That, that's right. It was always Disneyland. That that yeah. was the closest down the ninety one. Right. And uh, so. Anyway, yeah, well, that and um, Knott's Berry Farm, although Knott's Berry Farm is not as well known worldwide, but it it has its own charm. Yeah, I I'd almost forget about that, but that mm-hmm. was a really enjoyable place. I, I like them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. One of my favorite trips there was um, the day before school started. I took both my daughters down. And so it was the day before school starts. And we went to Knott's Berry Farm and hung out down there and hmm. uh had a, a chicken dinner at uh, at Mrs. Knotts and 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 it was funny because while we were there we ran into uh, probably a half a dozen people that we knew from either their school or for from the swim team, um, also doing the same thing. It's like, hey, let's go down there and have some fun the day before you know last day of summer, and so uh, that was a fun trip. I I let's see, I don't remember. No, you you weren't old enough to remember, uh, but for a while we lived in Denver. And out west of Denver, near Golden, they had a uh, an old western front street kind of a thing. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, sort of like Dodge City had, except that they built this one later. And it was all based on a, a TV show. And I don't remember the guy's name, uh-huh. but it was a pretty popular TV show. And, and he would show up out there on weekends. Oh, that's you know, cool. So that, so that you could actually meet this TV star. A little you know? star power gets people out there, huh? Oh, yeah. And so I remember Leo and and uh, and others coming by, and we'd we'd go out there and have a really good time. And I remember we you were little, and we put you on a stagecoach and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and took pictures and stuff. You know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was too young to remember that, so I don't remember that. Uh, but 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 they would have these uh-huh. shows, you know, maybe for uh, thirty minutes or something mm-hmm. to kind of get bring all the people in the town together mm-hmm. briefly, like a a good gunshot uh, yeah. shoot out at OK Corral except this was I remember that at Dodge City that was you know? that's what that's what <laughs> where I saw that too but yeah. it was that kind of thing uh and they would have a singer so the gals who uh were in the bar would stand up saloon. on the bar you know and step into the saloon and get yourself a nice strong sarsaparilla yeah <laughs> so they were you know to promote various parts of the of yeah. the place so so lots of fun. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. You've got things you got to do, and we've kind of uh, talked through our our list of things to talk about tech wise. So we appreciate everybody listening, and we'll be back again next week. Uh, well, I enjoyed talking to you again, Todd. Likewise. You have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye.